to Genesis chapter 18. <clears throat> I always look over for pastor to give me the nod. And, and then I know. I'm, I'm a little concerned he was up here with the flu. I feel like I need some gel and <laughs> sort of wipe all that down. Uh, don't want to get sick. Genesis chapter 18. God bless you for being uh, in church. Uh, you made a good decision today when you decided to go to church. And I would commend people all over Australia who woke up this morning and decided that they should go to church and remember the Lord. And, uh, you know, it seems increasingly that even going to church and just uh, being mindful of God seems to, seems to be, uh, puts us on a contrary path to many of our other Australians and uh, yet uh, it's important that regardless of the changes going on around us uh, that we do our best to to always honour the Lord and uh, you know remember that uh, you came into this world on your own even if you were born as a twin or three or whatever someone came first so you uh, you came into this world on your own and I, I think God does things that way. Uh, you will leave this world on your own. And that wouldn't matter if, you know, if you died with 20 other people at the same moment. You, you will go on your own. And uh, you will appear before the Lord on your own. And we know that if a person is going to see heaven, then they have to be born again. That's something you do on your own. So I'm just saying that all of that reinforces to us that uh, while we are a body and we have uh, believers around us and we're grateful for that and the family of God and the body of Christ, it does not diminish our personal walk with God. And so, you know, you can decide how much or how little you have of the Lord. Uh, there are some people who are uh, saved, they're Christian, uh, but maybe they just think it's enough that I will just get to go to heaven. Uh, but then there are others who are also saved who think, no, I, I would like to give uh, much more of my life to the Lord than just sort of doing my own thing until I get to heaven. And that's a personal decision. But I'm glad that you're in the church uh, this morning. Every time I'm here, being in church here strengthens my faith. And, uh, you know, that's not just a cliche. I... I, uh, when, I, when I come here, I'm often a little bit worn out from being uh, in a, another land where it's, uh, it's different, uh, but just to come here and to be amongst you, to be back with my pastor and uh, to be with uh, many of you who we have walked together for many years and uh, some uh, new faces uh, God has, has added, but it's just good to be here. Uh, I enjoy listening to the singing. Uh, I enjoy hearing a special in an Australian accent. I really do. It, it, rem, it reminds me of who I am. And, uh, I, you know, there's still something about us, by the way. Uh, there's, there's, there, you know, we're kind of, we have some unique, uh, some new, unique characteristics. I, I never tell jokes from the pulpit, but I, uh, I heard a joke that made me laugh when I was in Thailand. It made me think about Australians. And uh, the joke is that there were these two Aussies walking sort of out back and uh, they're walking along and they came across a well and so they were looking at the well and one bloke says to his mate he said you know he said uh, you can tell how deep they are by by dropping a rock in there and the other goes oh see we'll try so they, they picked up a rock and they dropped it in and they listened and uh, one bloke says to his mate he said i don't hear anything did you and he goes, I'm not hearing anything either. So get a bigger rock. And so they, they went over and they got a bigger rock and they walked over together and they threw the rock in and, and they listened. And he said, I still didn't hear anything. And uh, his mate said, I, I, I don't hear anything either. So get something bigger. And so they walked over and they found a railroad sleeper. So they, they, they picked it up and both of them sort of heaved the railroad sleeper over and they threw it in the, they threw it in the well, and next minute, uh, a goat jumped between them in the well, and they thought, 
that was weird. You know, this, they, they walked away. As they were walking away, this old timer came up to him and he said, uh, any of you blokes seen my goat? And they said, uh, well, mate, one just, one just jumped in a well before. We, we just saw him jump in a well. And the old timer said, no, no, that wouldn't have been mine. Mine was tied to a railway sleeper. <laughs> I thought that was very Aussie. <laughs> I normally don't tell jokes, but that was, that's worth telling, isn't it? All righty. Mine was tied to a railway sleeper. All right. Genesis chapter 18 uh, was our reading. I'm probably going to turn to three places in the Bible this morning. And uh, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to offer you some encouragement. You know, you say, how do you get encouragement when, you know, life can be rough, and it is rough for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, not everybody tells everybody about their personal pain, but about everybody has something, that's for sure. And uh, life, can, life can be rough, and, you know, some people probably reflecting on the past year, and, and you know, it's maybe been okay, but, but maybe it's, you know, there's been parts of it that have been quite not okay, and and uh, how, do you, how do you sort of face the year with, with some sense of hope uh, that it will be better and, uh, or that, uh, that you will be better? And I, I don't know all the answers to that. Uh, long ago, I have laid aside uh, cliches to, and, uh, and, and suggesting quick fixes to people's problems. Uh, I've learned that things are often very complex and uh, I've learned that, uh, that suffering is often difficult to understand. And I certainly don't want to be someone who just flicks a cliche at someone uh, who's going through uh, a hard time or is experiencing health issues or real financial issues or uh, problems uh, uh, you know, associated with family or relationships. I don't want to do that. But how do you have uh, hope for the coming year? I think if there is uh, any, any way that can give us hope and strength as we move into the coming year, then that would have to do with uh, focusing as, as best we can on just who God is. And I suspect what happens as we live life in the world is that uh, the world seems to get bigger and God seems to get smaller. And uh, meaning that, uh, now that's not what the reality is, but it can feel that way because you're dealing with so many things going on in your life that it just seems like, well, this is life. But if you can step out of that a little bit into a faith zone, as it were, and, and just, just, just remember and get some clarity about who God is and the enormity of God and, and the will of God, even in their being on earth and and the plan of God, and that everything is working to the glory of God, and, and the fact that God birthed you on this earth, and that was not a mistake. And I'm just saying there is, there is a place that you can uh, get to if you get there uh, that is a spiritual place. It's a way of looking at your life and the world and what's going on just a little bit differently to how sight interprets everything. Does that make sense? I remember when, uh, when Jack Hiles, who, who helped me enormously, when uh, Jack Hiles died, uh, his son made the comment about his dad. Uh, I think it was at the funeral. I think it was at the funeral. Uh, but I just remembered the comment. Uh, the son said, talking about his dad, Jack Hiles, he said, my dad always lived life above the clouds. And, uh, you know... Uh, I've learned through flying a little bit that, that, that when you get above the clouds, the, the sun is still shining. It, really, nothing has changed. It's, all, it's still there. There's brightness, there's light. There's, but, but when you're you know, down below, it can be quite a different view. Uh, but to be able to live our Christian life, as it were, above the clouds, I think is something that we should aspire to that we bring a God perspective to who we are and a God perspective to uh, our life, our family, our purpose here on earth uh, and uh, just, just stay mindful of that 
though we be assailed by the things of sight, uh, I understand. All right, so I want to point out uh, this morning just an aspect of God's, I guess you'd say, His goodness, and uh, he, is, he is always good, and uh, I, I, again, I don't mean to be flippant with that. He, he is always good. Uh, sometimes what's happening to us doesn't feel very good, but God is always good, and uh, things will become clear at a later time, and then you will, you will rejoice and worship Him in His goodness. And you'll realize that he didn't make any mistakes with any of us. And so Genesis chapter 18 is the story of the imminent uh, judgment that was going to come on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I I know pastor has said this before and others have said it, but let me say it again. Uh, When we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think we focus on one particular sin and yet if we read further on in the Bible, we actually find God... Uh, points out that the sins of Sodom were uh, much more than just the one that we focus on. Uh, it talks about their, uh, their fullness of bread, their, their, their disregard for the, for the poor or the needy. Uh, and uh, there's several things mentioned there that, that have come up later in the scripture. But nonetheless, God was about to uh, uh, bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and the, some other cities that were located in that plain and God shares uh, with Abraham what, is, what he's going to do. And God says, I've, I've heard the cry of this and I will go look at it and uh, determine if it is so. And, uh, but the, the, this judgment is coming. And then Abraham begins to, to uh, plead with God uh, about uh, God showing mercy uh, to that place. Now, I... I I'm thankful for people like Abraham because I don't think that Abraham uh, probably had a close association with those cities. I I think Abraham had already demonstrated in his life that he was going to live life for God his way. He wasn't a city dweller as such. Yes, Lot was there. uh, But I think uh, it says something about Abraham that he would go to God to pray for a people that he didn't particularly have any connection with. Hello? That, that would be a godly characteristic in somebody's life. That they pray for people that they don't particularly have any personal affinity with, but they, but they have uh, godly care to, towards all people. And uh, we do that with missions. When we're involved in missions, what we're doing, we're caring for people that often we've never met, people who'd be very culturally different to us, but but it is godly to, to care about the needs of others. Uh, it, it, it is not godly to be dismissive of the needs of others. It is, it is not godly to be indifferent to somebody else's uh, uh, sufferings or troubles. So, so, you know, people like Abraham, I think, are often misunderstood. Sometimes we look at people who are godly and what we think is they are aloof. We, we think they're, if they're godly, they're aloof or they're, they stand back. And sometimes we go further. We say they're arrogant and uh, we can say all kinds of things. And actually, they just might be walking with God. And actually, if you heard their prayers, you might be a little less judgmental. And they might have shown a whole lot more compassion than you've talked about. And they might have been a whole lot more sacrificial to people in need and have reached out to people that you think they would not reach out to. I'm just saying we get it wrong sometimes about what godliness is. And uh, Abraham had a, had a walk with God and he was separated unto God, but he was not indifferent when he realized that, you know, other people were going to be suffering and we should be that way. So he, he begins to talk to God uh, about, you know, uh, would God be willing to, to uh, spare them? And uh, the title of the message this morning is, uh, I'll give you the title now, is Collateral Grace. And I, and I, I used that term, and I thought it was a good term. I, I heard somebody else use it, collateral grace. Usually when we use the word collateral, we use it in a negative sense. So when we, if you've heard the word collateral mentioned before, you probably heard it maybe in a reference to something in a war zone or you know, there was collateral damage. You may have heard that. Typically, 
we use it as a negative connotation, but really what collateral means is it's kind of a secondary fallout. And so, so if you used it, if you, if you said the way they do use it, that, that building was bombed, but there was collateral damage. You know, other people were affected uh, apart from the principal target of that bomb. Other people were affected. They were collateral damage. But I want you to think this morning about grace, and I'm going to show you in three places how there can be this, and it's, it's much more than three. There's, there's many Bible examples. Uh, but how grace, God's grace, can also be collateral. In other words, it can, it can spill out uh, into secondary effects. It can, it can go beyond just the, uh, the first place that received maybe the, the, the principal drop of grace. And so Abraham is pleading here, and what he's doing, uh, Abraham is asking for God's grace to be extended to others. Now, uh, because it's Abraham praying this, and Abraham has favor and grace, Abraham has the grace of God on his life, because it's Abraham praying this, God is willing to, to, to condescend to agree to this. And so the people in Sodom and Gomorrah don't know it, and maybe they said all kinds of things about that crazy man who lived out there in the hills. Maybe they said that rich, crazy man who uh, barely ever came into town and, and lived out far away. But that, that crazy man who had the grace of God on his life was praying that that grace would become collateral and spill out even into the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there is a, there is a kind of uh, a grace that does that. Uh, where, where it flows out to others around you. And uh, I'm sure uh, for Australia, it's our hope that uh, the presence of people who love God and know God and are the children of God in all kinds of places and all kinds of cities around Australia, I think our, our prayer is that the grace that is on those believers would spill out onto the land. And, uh, and uh, would, 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 would uh, see God giving grace to the nation as a whole. Uh, we are all on the same boat, by the way. Unless you're planning on shipping out, we're, we're, we're all here together. And it is in our interest that God would preserve our country. It is, it is in the interest of our children and, uh, and our grandchildren. Most, most people sitting here this morning have never been through a war. Have never, have never lived through what a war and seen how it can devastate a nation. And, and most people have not lived through that. History is rarely taught in our schools anymore unless there's an attached social agenda. Uh, but history is rarely taught. And what I'm saying is we forget the consequences of being distant from God and what can happen. Now, I'm, I'm sure as Christians we have concerns, but our hope is that there might be a little collateral grace uh, fall out onto our, onto our nation. Now, in verse 25, see the prayer or see what uh, Abraham says to God. And I, I really like this and, and I can just, you know, it, it fits with who God is and who Abraham is. Verse 25, uh, it's, well, let me read the end of verse 24. Wilt thou also... Destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein. And then Abraham tells God something about God. All right? And that's a good, it's not a bad way to pray, by the way, is to remind God of his attributes. Now, he already knows, he hasn't forgotten, but you, 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 you bring that up. And here's what he said, verse 25, that be far from thee to do after this manner. And what he was saying is, God, I know it's not your manner. You, it's not your way to, to, to just put out a blanket judgment on everyone. You, you wouldn't do that. Do you understand? He's saying if there were righteous there, you wouldn't do that. Even if there was only a few righteous, 
well, I know that you wouldn't just judge them all the same. Are you, are you getting this? That, that's why there will be a rapture. Because, because he's not going to judge the righteous with the unrighteous. Do you understand that? That's why there will be a rapture. That's why believers will not go through the seven-year tribulation that will come upon the earth. Let's just get it clear. Okay, we, you, you will be gone before. And the reason you will be gone before is because the seven-year tribulation period that is coming and will come is an outpouring of wrath and judgment on the earth. And before that happens, two things will take place. One is that believers, the children of God, your, his own children will be withdrawn and the Holy Spirit will be withdrawn also. He will not be here like he is in this we call church age or age of grace. Because when God pours out that judgment, it's going to be a horrific outpouring of judgment. Pastors thought this many times uh, over that seven-year period. So, so that's why there'll be a rapture. And people say, yeah, but, but I, I think that Christians might have to go through some suffering. Christians have gone through suffering as long as they've been Christians. There'll, there'll be martyrs still being martyred up until the rapture. There's, we're not saying there's any, you know, get out of suffering free here. But we're saying if you understand that the tribulation period is an outpouring of judgment and wrath, they're vials of judgment and wrath. When you understand that, then you understand God does not do that to his own children. Why not? Because your wrath was paid for by Jesus on the cross. He already, he already took all your punishment. You, you don't double dip with this thing, all right? You, you've, been, you've, been, you've been saved. You've been, your, your, your judgment has taken place on the cross of Christ. And uh, you're now a child of God. You're different. And so Abraham was saying, God, I know you. I know that you would not just, just you know, do that. It'd be like, you know, uh, you know you're going to do something to a group of people, but your own child was in the midst of that. And you would say, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to hurt my own child. Of course you're not. And God is not going to do that. So he's praying. He said, God, I know it's not your manner to, to just judge everybody. I know you wouldn't do that. Now, this is, this is good for us because it gives us some hope for Australia. You, you understand? It, it gives us, this is a prayer we can pray. God, don't, don't, don't judge the righteous uh, with, with the wicked. God, God don't, don't, don't pour out uh, judgment. It's not your manner to do that. Right, Lord? And, uh, and it's, it gives us hope for the country. So there was that prayer for this grace to fall out to them. Abraham appealed to God's nature of mercy. Now, I love, I love the attributes of God. I, I, I find the more, you, the more you know God, the more you will love God. Uh, I mean that. I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I read theology books sometimes, but uh, it, that might sound dry, but it's not dry because it's just reading about, it's an unfolding of someone dear to you and the more you see who God is and his attributes, honestly, it's very moving. It's really moving. Well, the more you understand him, it's very moving to, to realise just his, how he is. He's, he's, just, he's just wonderful in every way. And sometimes the tithes will say, tell, tell us about God. Tell, tell me, what is he like? I say, oh, he's, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Uh, I, I say, if you've heard any different to that, somebody didn't tell you the truth. And then I tell them how he's wonderful. But, but he really is. He really is. He has wonderful mercy. Last night, Suzanne was working in the office at home, a short period at home. And she, was, she was compiling my sermons, I guess MP3s, but, you know, the listening sermons. So she was going through, she's trying to get them all put aside for, uh, I don't know, the bin or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, she's uh, compiling those. And, uh, you know, she's been in the office. Kids have walked past a few times. And occasionally I could hear my voice or my voice from a few years ago coming through the computer. I guess she was working out titles and such. And uh, Curtis came in to me last night. He said, Dad, did you know that years ago you preached a sermon called He'd Rather Win You Than Skin You? <laughs> and I said, I don't remember it, but it sounds like something I would <laughs> preach. And he said, I've got to listen to that. Uh, but there's a great truth in that. 
Really, there is. He would rather win you than skin you. He has mercy. You know what I'm saying? He, he'd, rather, he'd rather win you over than, than have to judge you harshly. I'm just saying that's the nature of God. His, his first response is mercy. You know, he, the first thing he did when Adam fell out of sorts, you know, he, he covered them and he, and he you know, that's, that's, I'm just saying that's God. That's how he is. His first response is not an immediate condemnation, though he sees it for what it is. But he's very merciful. And if you're going to be Christ-like, you could never be Christ-like without being merciful. You can't be a judgmental person and be Christ-like. We say, I just only judge some people. Well, don't judge anybody. You know, don't judge anybody. Just, just have mercy. Have mercy. Be patient. Uh, uh, be like Jesus would be. And the nature of God is that God by nature is merciful. And uh, he, he wants people to be recipients of his grace. Pastor read a verse uh, here on Christmas Day uh, and, and referred to it, and it's a common one. Uh, but just something about that day when he read that took hold of me, and I, I took a note to pursue it further. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, so you know Luke chapter 2, the shepherds are in the, the angels have appeared. And, uh, and you've seen this, you probably read this on a Christmas card. And it says this, Luke chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, and then here's what grabbed me, good will toward men. And that's the heart of God. The heart of God is, in his heart, is, is not ferocious, consuming anger though our God is a consuming fire and we're not diminishing his holiness or any such thing. But I'm just saying he's often misrepresented. I think if, if, if people truly understood who he was, many, many more would, would be with him. And maybe they, you know, there's lots of reasons they don't understand, but goodwill towards men. And what he was saying is, I'm sending Christ to demonstrate, to show you in my heart is goodwill toward men. Now, if you've got to go and talk to someone, it's a, it's a real help if you know you're starting off with a certain amount of goodwill towards you. Do you understand that? When you go and meet with someone, if you know, you know, they already like me. They, they already, they're always warm to me. Uh, uh, when you start off that way and there's just a presence of goodwill, uh, then, you know, pretty well everything can work out okay. I, I have goodwill to a lot of our Thai people. I have goodwill to Joe. Uh, if, 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 if Joe comes and even has got to tell me a problem or something failed or something didn't work, you know, I just have, well, it's okay, mate. It'll be better next time. You say, you like that with everyone? No, but the people I have goodwill towards. I'm just saying that if you have goodwill. And my point is that God has goodwill to you and he starts from that place. Do you understand? He starts from the place of, well, sure, find, find me those righteous so I don't have to judge you. And then Abraham, you know, the bargaining, he said, well, I don't know about 50, but I might be, how about if I find you 40? Well, find them they'll, they'll be, and we, we don't have to judge them. Well, I don't know there'll be 40, but would you consent to 30? 30 will be fine. Uh, well, if 30 will be fine, would 20 be okay? Yeah, well, 20 will be okay. That'll be okay. Yeah, you, can you see what I'm saying? It's just, his heart is just to, there's goodwill toward you. There's, there's, there's not, he's not jumping on you every time you made a mistake. Have you made some? Yes, you have. Were there times you didn't listen to God? Yes. You say, how do you know that? Because that's all of us. Were there times that we brought some sorrows on our own life because of some things we did? Yes. But he's not standing there saying, I told you so. Now see what you get. When anyone who speaks like that is, is being quite different to God. There's goodwill towards you. Do you would you agree? I think there's been goodwill towards Australia. Uh, we, we've really, we've prospered. And, uh, and, and we've, been, we've been blessed. And, and even the way we were founded was a, was a goodwill. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't Roman uh, Catholicism. Uh, that, that founded Australia, like it did South America. 
when I say founded, occupied. And you say, well, well, does that matter? Well, once you have a look at the living standards in South America, if you want to work out what that leads to, it's obvious what it leads to. I'm just saying there's been goodwill shown to us at many levels. And uh, that's part of that grace fallout. Would you look at uh, Genesis 39? Uh, just to give you another example here. So Abraham pleading, God, would you show grace and, you know, collateral grace. If you've shown grace to me, would you show it to them? Now, what would that have led to, by the way? Now, you say, well, well, Pastor Shemi, Sodom and Gomorrah were judged. Well, that's right, they were, but because those ten righteous weren't even found there. But what would it have led to? If, if, if God, if collateral grace had, had found its way to Sodom and Gomorrah, what would that have looked like, okay? Here's what it would have looked like. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah would still have been unpleasant places to live. It wouldn't have changed that. Okay. This, is not a, this was not a prayer for revival. This was a request for grace. You understand? So, so, so there, it wouldn't have looked, there was no revival going to sweep there. But what would it have looked like? What it would have done, it just would have protected them. It would, do you understand? The, the judgment wouldn't have fell. And it would have bought them time to either repent or seek God or uh, that's what it would have done. Are we, are we clear with that? Because I think that's what we're praying for our Australia is why I'm saying that. I, I, I don't think we're... Now, if you're praying for national uh, revival and you have the faith to pray that, well, God bless you and spill a bit of it Thailand's way as well, would you mind? But, uh, but, but many of us probably are looking and saying, look... Uh, you know, a lot of things are fairly entrenched here and I can see that and we probably have done some things that uh, are provocative to God in, in terms of judgment. Would you agree with that? I don't think I need to name them, but we've probably done, and I'm talking about at a national level. You know, right from the heart of Canberra, we did it. We, I mean, we've, we've done different things like that, uh, but what, I think what we're praying is, God, would you just... For our sakes, and, for, for, and, and we only have it because of Jesus, but would you just spill a bit of grace out onto our country and just let that grace fall out to at least the preservation of the land, right? That's not a bad prayer. At least, at least that we're preserved until we go. That's, that's a good prayer, that we're able to still come to church and worship, that we're able to live our lives and we're able to believe what we've always believed. We're able to, to teach from the Bible, the same Bible that people have been teaching at for, you know, 2,000 years. Those kind of prayers. Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't have become, you know, beautiful places, but it would have brought them protection. And that's our prayer. Now, collateral grace does not spill out to the level of salvation. And we're not saying that. We're not saying that if God spills collateral grace... That, that just automatically people are saved. If they get saved, they, that's fine. But do you understand? When I was a teenager, there was a lady who helped me a lot in my Christian life. And uh, her, her, she was saved. She was attending a Pentecostal church, uh, which is where I got saved. And uh, she, her father died suddenly. She was older, older than me. Uh, her father died suddenly. I just remember this. And and I liked her, and I liked her family, and she was a lovely person. But I remember just as a teen, not knowing much about God, and just only just being saved, and hardly read much Bible. And I said to her, well, what, what about your dad? You know, did you, the only way I could say it, did your dad go to church? And she said, no, no. And I said, oh, was he, uh, did, he like, did he believe like you? She said, oh, no. I said, oh, well, what do you think happened to him? You know, a teen kid, probably a little bit insensitive, but what, what do you think happened to him? He's just died. What do you think happened to him? And uh, she said, oh, uh, well, I remember she said this. She said, you know, I, I, think, I think he's in heaven, uh, you know, a lamb for a family. You understand what she's reflecting on? Exodus. You know, when they, the lamb, she, so she referenced that. But, but let me tell you something. Uh, it's not a lamb for a family with salvation it needs to be your lamb. He, he has to be your... Are we clear on that? So, so there is collateral grace, but it's not unto somebody else getting just saved because you are. My family used to say to me through the years, uh, 
you know, I'd go to a family function. We haven't been to it for years because people have died and people have moved on. But, but my family would say through the years, you know, I'd go and uh, here's Wayne, you know, he's a Christian and I'm not drinking at the keg when we used to have kegs. And, and, uh, and then Nicole, she's a keg girl from way back, I'm telling you. <laughs> but uh, I, in fact, I saw one in the yard the other day when I drove past. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know, I'd be there and, and the family and I wouldn't be drinking. They'd come up to me and they'd, you know, they'd have a beer or something. And they'd say, uh, yeah, how's it going, Wayne? I'd go, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, you're still doing the church thing? And yeah, yeah, still doing the church thing. Uh, uh, say a prayer for me, eh? That's what they say. Say a prayer for me, eh? Put a, put a word in with the, the old fellow upstairs to me, eh? And I'd say, oh, well, yeah, I, I can do that, but you need to say your own prayer. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, I wish that I could just will everybody else around me to get saved, but it's a personal thing. You, you can be sitting in church and you can be lost and it, it's not, it, you know, it, it's a personal thing. So we're not saying Sodom and Gomorrah would have had revival, but uh, they would have had mercy. Genesis 39, just verse 5. Remember when uh, Joseph went to the house of Potiphar, and uh, you all know that because you're all uh, Bible students here. Verse 5, and it came to pass from the time that he'd made him overseer in his house, that's Potiphar's house, Potiphar wasn't a believer, and over all that he had, here it is, notice, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. All right, what is that? That's, that's that collateral grace. That's the fact that the blessing of God was on Joseph and simply because Joseph was working in that workplace, God was blessing that workplace. Now that's many of you here this morning you're bringing much more to your workplace than people know. Now, now, get it, Potiphar didn't go to Joseph and say, thank you. Boy, boy, since you've been here, uh, the figures have gone up. I don't understand it. Uh, the sheep are having more lambs. The, the cattle are giving birth to twins, and, and I, don't, I don't get it. And for some strange reason, the crops are yielding 50% more than they used to. No, he didn't do that, didn't give any thanks because he probably didn't even recognise it. So how do you know he didn't recognise it? Because he sends Joseph out later. He probably would have noticed then when the books went, and he thought, what happened? Right? But there was that collateral grace working. Okay, that's what you bring. That's what you are bringing to the country. So you talk about the country a bit. Well, I, I, I'm Australian. I love this place. I'm, I, I see other places, but I'm of this place. And, and yes, I do talk about it. But you bring that here. There's a certain grace on you. Now listen, you bring it to your workplace. You bring it to your workplace. God blesses places where you go. You're bringing it to your family. You understand that probably many times... God has been merciful above and beyond to some of your children because they're your children. Because they're yours. And even when they weren't necessarily thinking about him or he wasn't first place in their mind, he was first place in your mind. And that grace is spilling out to your family. That grace is spilling out to your children. And, uh, and it, just, it just does that. And there can be blessing. There's a lot of application with that thought. You should meditate on that a little bit. Uh, even this, when you see somebody uh, has the grace of God on them, it's not a bad person to try and get around because you catch the collateral fallout. You see what I'm saying? When, when God is blessing that person to get around them, you, you get blessing as well. You get blessing as well. Uh, I, I've watched people, I've studied this a little bit, I've studied people and God's working with them and I've watched people get end up in all kinds of different places and the first place they're at and there was a lot of blessing 
everybody said, well, it's that place. You know, they, they must have been in an easy place. They must have been in just, it was just an easy place. But then God moves them to another place and then it happens again. And I've seen that. I, I could, you know, I won't do it, but I could name, I've watched it over decades. And I've learned that God puts his blessing on a person, not a place. But when the person is in a place, the blessing of God is there also. Does that make sense? You're bringing that to your workplace. There's a certain collateral grace there. You're bringing it to your family. Uh, We're bringing it, Lord willing, to the country. Potiphar didn't get it. He was never thankful. You know, Australians, they're not going to thank you, but Australians have uh, quite a bit to be thankful for, for the presence of God's people here. I don't mean that. Now, don't expect them to come and thank you. Probably in a few years, who knows what they're going to do to you, but it's probably not going to be thanks, but but, uh, don't expect that. But really, they do. They really do. And you know what? We're living off the prosperity and the grace that God showed our grandparents and those before. You see what I'm saying? The people who went before us, and, and their grace has spilled out onto us. And this is this thing of collateral grace. Last reading is Acts chapter 16. Let's uh, just uh, pull that up. Certainly God is gracious with his grace. He's very generous in giving that grace out. Acts chapter 16, perhaps if I turned there also. And uh, I just, again, uh, because you all know uh, all the Bible, you know that uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail and uh, they've been uh, put there for, you know, just, just living for God and they've been beaten and, and they're singing and they're singing praises. Now, uh, they're, in, they're in a jail, but they're not the only people in jail. Are we, are we clear on that? They're in jail, but there are a lot of others in jail as well. And not everybody in the jail is there because they were out preaching Jesus. Are we okay? There's lots of people in that jail. All right, so, so here's what you'll find. Let's look at it. Verse 25 of Acts 16. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And verse 26, here's when grace arrives. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. All right, so, so in my Bible, I've underlined all the doors were opened. And I've underlined everyone's bands were loose. So what is that? That's collateral grace. That's, that's, that's not that God just... Listen, there were two people, there were at least two righteous people there. I don't know, it seemed like the doors didn't open the night before or the week before or the month before. But there were two righteous or two godly people there not perfect people, but godly people there who just were praising God in the midst of darkness and trials. And that's still a good thing to do. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do. But, but there's something about a song in the night that is a blessing to God. I mean, there's something about when you sing to Him when you don't feel like singing. There's something about when you give praise to God when nothing in you feels like doing that, but you just do it. I'm just saying he doubly receives it. It's a, it's a, it's a, and so they're singing despite all their trials and, uh, and grace descends and, and it wasn't just their door that opened up. You, you see what I'm saying? God didn't come down and say, well, here's two, you know, good people or here's two Christians open their door and loose their bands. Everybody's door opened. And everybody's bands were loosed. And that's collateral grace. It fell out unto those who were around. And and, and God didn't have to do that. If he could open all the doors, he could certainly pinpoint it to a door. You see what I'm saying? What you ought to be seeing is the nature of God here. That, that, That it's God's desire that people's bands would be loosed. And there are many people in bands. 
There's, there's mental torments that are a band. There's, there's, you know, you can escape a lot of things, but you can never escape your own mind. And when you're, when you're tormented mentally, you, you, it's, it's an awful thing. It feels like being in a prison. It's a prison you take with you wherever you go. And you can't get out of that. And I'm saying that, that, that you know, as the song says, he's a chain breaker. He, he, he still wants to loose the bands of people. He still wants to open the doors of people. And that's, he, listen, why does he do that? Goodwill towards men. Because he's just, he's just gracious. He's gracious. You know, when we moved to Nakhon Sawan, I'm going to finish. When we moved to Nakhon Sawan in Thailand to that, that town, you know, we brought a measure of God's grace to that place. There's been a collateral, there's been a collateral fallout. Uh, when, when I, I'm, I was here on Christmas night, but the work continues. The work goes on over there, and they had a Christmas outreach in Nakhon Sawan. And you understand, when we went there, when we went there, uh, there was Suzanne and I, uh, Joe and I, and Dio when we went there. And, uh, you know, we did church in Nakhon Sawan in a really dilapidated, probably demon-possessed house, you know, in the lounge room. Uh, we put a pulpit on the table in front of the fish tank and uh, sit some plastic chairs out and we, we called that church. And that's, I mean, just how we started. But God has poured out grace, not just on us, but it's spilled out. Do you know how many people have been saved since we... And, 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 and I, I'm, I rejoice in it because they rejoice in it. You understand when Thai people get Christ, they feel like they've won the lottery. They, they're much more appreciative than a lot of people who grow up around it. They feel literally, I've stepped out of darkness into light. And they, rejo- they, they can't sing a song about Jesus without starting to cry. Nobody tells them to do that. I mean, they, they are deeply uh, affected by their salvation and they want to reach other people. So we had a Christmas outreach in that village where our church is on Christmas, Eve, uh, Christmas night, the 25th. And uh, 300 people came. And uh, they were just everywhere. And so here's Joe, who, who, who I met as an unsaved boy at, at 18 and brought him here to this church when we were printing out the back. And, uh, you know, and he looked like, you know, and uh, I brought him here. I picked up a track from the back table and I reached over and I said, uh, I, tried, I gave him the track and he he pushed it away in anger, just out there. And he pushed it away. And in his limited English, he gave me a dressing down and uh, told me that, no, no, I, I, I Buddha, I not, I not, I not this, I not. I love mother, I love father. It was ranting and I thought, I believe you. you, you. And so I said, okay, 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 mate, it's okay, leave it, leave it. What a transformation. You see what I'm saying? And here he was on, on Christmas Eve, standing at the pulpit and preaching with power and clarity the gospel of Christ to people who've never, ever heard it and, and had assembled themselves there in those numbers. And we're seeing people saved, you know, a couple this month, a couple of others. I'm not telling you it's hundreds every week, but I'm just saying God's at work. And when you go to a place, you bring that grace. You bring that grace. And that ought to be our prayer for, for our families uh, this coming year, if God gives us this. Ought to be our prayer for Australia, God. Just, you know, just show grace, show mercy. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with numbers of you off and on. And I know we can all get a bit animated about things that are happening. And listen, you, you, you're either going to live under the clouds or you get above that. You're either just going to keep looking at this world, or you're going to get above it and get a God view. And we need to pray that we get above it. And, uh, and it doesn't mean we're so heavenly minded, we're of our earthly good. We're not saying that. But we're just saying we have a proper perspective. And I hope that you can go into the year uh, with, a, with a blessed year. I pray that you'll be fruitful this year for the Lord. Uh, I pray that you'll pray for our pastor and his family and love our local church and, and that you'll just see the grace of God not just continue on you but even fall out to the, 
the people around you. I was, uh, I'll finish with this, I was flying. And every time I fly, I always take time to pray. Now, I don't know if you do that or not. I know Danny does not do it because he told us just recently. And my son, Curtis, has said to me three times, can you believe that he does not even pray when he gets out of flight? I said, well, he just said, I don't, I don't know. I said, he's, it's probably a Catholic plant in the church. I'm not sure. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, I pray every time I get on. So I get on and get my seat. I take a moment to pray. And what, what do you pray? Oh, I just pray for God's mercy in the trip. And, you know, and, but it's not just, uh, you know, some of those prayers you pray before you eat food that people just repeat, but they don't really think about anything, what they just said. It's not a prayer like that. It's sincere. Pray for safety. Pray for mercies. Pray that God would deliver me unto the destination in safety. And, take, and I pray that God would preserve those on the flight. All right, now that's a, that's a prayer for collateral grace. See, because when I look around praying, you know what I notice? I've never seen anybody else pray. And, and often the staff of the plane will come up to me and, uh, and I'll be... <laughs> and, you know, they'll wait. And uh, I just pray my prayer. And I don't know if they're, they're thinking I'm praying Allah, Akbar, something. I don't know what they're thinking I'm doing. But uh, you know what I'm saying. I pray for safety. Now, wh- I, I tell you why I do that. Remember when that Qantas A380 had the engine malfunction, you won't remember it, but I do, had the engine malfunction over Singapore. And then there was a hydraulic leak and the engine blew up, but it blew a big piece out of that plane. And uh, it was amazing that they got that aircraft down. Now, they had one of their very best pilots, you know, flying that Qantas A380, and he was able to land it, and none of those people died. But if you look at it, it really easily could have turned to that. Now... Uh, that, you know, that's all good, but here's what disturbed me. That, that man wrote a book. There's a book out about that. And, uh, and I've seen him interviewed. And somebody said in the interview that I saw, they said, do you think, do you think uh, God helped you with that? And he said, no, it's nothing to do with God. He said it was skill and amazing engineering. That's what it was. It was nothing to do with God. Well, you know, I, I, I don't like flying with people who are flying my plane, who think that nothing is of God and it's all just them. You, you know what I'm saying? I, that's, I don't really feel good about that, but that's okay. I'm going to go to a higher source. So I, that's why I pray. You understand? I pray because I want to acknowledge, Lord, it's all in your hands. You know, I, I get it that the rest of the people around here aren't giving it a thought. Uh, you know, <laughs> there might even be Christians on this flight who haven't prayed. But, um, but uh, you know, for me, as for me in my house, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray when I go on a driving trip, particularly in Thailand. It's done. I'm going I'm to pray for God's blessing. I want the grace of God on my life, but I also, I'm, I'm good for it to spill out on the people around me as well. All right, God bless you. I'm done. Thank you, Pastor.